0: You are listening to the podcast of the white church at the elk river ymca in minnesota our mission is to seek jesus connect together and share his love luke 1 starting in verse 5.
1: in the time of herod king of judea there was a priest named zachariah who belonged to the priestly division of abijah his wife elizabeth was also a descendant of aaron to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news." And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak." When this time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people.
0: All right. Thank you, Barbara. Well, let me just say what I shared last week at our congregational meeting. It sure feels good to be celebrating Advent together this season. Last year, we were online only for this whole time frame. Now, we're just delighted to be able to connect here once again at the Y and with those who are with us from home on the live stream. Regardless of where we are, though, Advent comes every year and we begin to prepare for Christmas. On the drive-in this morning, I was listening to the radio, and along came the song, Oh, the weather outside is frightful. And I'm thinking, the sun is shining. It looks pretty good for the first Sunday in Advent in Minnesota. So we'll see. I am hoping it will snow sometime soon and start to look Christmassy. But as we prepare for Christmas, the word Christmas is the one, of course, we hear all the time, multiple times a day this time of year. And yet the word Advent is more of a church word. You're not going to hear that one on the radio as often. And so we remind ourselves every year of what this season of four Sundays and four weeks looks like leading to Christmas. Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, and it means arrival, appearance. It means to come. And it's not a holiday that appears in the Bible, and yet we know it was practiced and observed for most of church history. The first written reference we have about Advent this season dates back to the 300s. And that's a written reference. It could have been around well before then. And in any case, Adventus was the Latin translation for a Bible word, the New Testament word, parousia, the coming. At Christmas, we're awaiting the coming of the Christ child. And yet, in the bigger sense, we're awaiting his second coming. Which is not always so evident to us. That's what the season of Advent is also about. Is that we await when Jesus will return again. And so it's a season not just to prepare us for Christmas. But to lift our eyes to the horizon. When Jesus will come again in power. And complete what he started at Christmas. So again, myself included. A lot of us probably don't go there immediately when we start the season of Advent. To think about that second Advent. The songs and images take us back to Bethlehem and that's in perfectly good order. But maybe you're learning over the years, I know some of you are, you've expressed this to me, to look heavenward with such a longing that Christ would return and that the final advent would come for all of us. I know some of you feel that longing and that heartache. Well, this advent that we have before us in 2021, we're focused on Luke 1 and then Christmas Eve, chapter 2. I'm so grateful to Graham who allowed us to be inspired and even gifted us some of these resources, devotional, music, so that we can anchor ourselves in the biblical text of Advent. And this will serve us well, I think, this year. I encourage you over the coming days and weeks to be in God's Word, whether it's just in Luke 1 or elsewhere, to make sure and grab your Advent devotional, one per household, and Spend time reading that. There's a reading each day starting December 1st. To listen to good music with rich theology that we have in Christmas. This is the only time of year that you can be in the most random stores and hear the most profound Christian teaching over the PA system. I was at a coffee shop in Zimmerman yesterday where, you know, just over the years by experience, I would usually hear things like, I walk the line or Friends in Low Places. It's Zimmerman after all, so. (laughs) But instead, I'm sitting in the coffee shop, all the same, you know, the the workers working, and the same sights and sounds, except I'm hearing, long lay the world in sin and error pining. It's like Shakespearean. Beautiful. Till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. The song, of course, was "O Holy Night, a song that declares in the final lines of the song, let all within us praise his holy name, Christ is the Lord. And the espresso machine is steaming and it's wild. I'm really amazed, but yet thankful that we have these Christmas hymns that are still so widely heard today. And you know, in a coffee shop in Zimmerman, to those who have ears, they will hear. Turning then to our passage before us today, let's look at this first scene, and that is the angel appearing to Zechariah. There are four things this morning, in just the next few minutes, that I'd like to highlight from this passage. There's four really among many, many things we could chew on. It's a pretty extended reading that Barb shared with us, but I find four is probably a good amount for us to tackle. The first is perhaps counterintuitive, but here is where I would like to begin. Number one... Christmas begins with heartache. As the story begins, we're introduced to this priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And we see their lineage, but we also see their character. Luke is writing, saying this was a righteous couple. They loved the Lord. They faithfully lived in accordance with his word, and yet this was a couple with a problem. They were righteous, and yet we read in verse 7, But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So they're righteous, but they're childless and old. And if you were Jewish in the first century, then that presented to you a massive problem. And not just a problem, but a heartache. And for those among us here who maybe have struggled with infertility, then you know this heartache. And yet I want to suggest to you that culturally, you can amp that up about ten times for someone like Zechariah and Elizabeth in first century Israel. Because not only was it the desire of their heart to have children, and they had that longing, but their honor and their life's purpose were hinged to it, which is different for us in a modern American value scale, but certainly was the case for them. To not have children was a disgrace in their world. You would have missed the mark. You would have, for some reason, failed to receive God's blessing upon you and fulfill your life's purpose. At least that's what popular opinion was. So I want you to imagine the pain and the shame, not just the heartache, but the pain and the shame that Zachariah and Elizabeth had carried around for decades of their life. And now I want you to relate that to our own heartache, whatever that may be, our own sources of pain and shame. There is that sad Christmas song this time of year. I know the version by Faith Hill, Where Are You Christmas? It's just a sad, crying song. She sings, Where are you Christmas? Why can't I find you? Why have you gone away? Where is the laughter you used to bring me? Why can't I hear music play? It's a Christmas lament. And isn't it interesting that the Christmas story that we pick up today begins with heartache. With the Bible saying there is a problem we're presented with from the very beginning. There is shattered glass on the floor. And it's not just the pieces of pain that we carry around in us, but our heart itself is broken spiritually. Graham, who wrote that Advent devotional, has a song about this scene of the story. I think it's number two or three on the track. It's called Good News. And I want to share one of the lines with you from that song. It says, Though the angel spoke truly from the Lord, fear and doubt took hold of Zachariah's heart. The Lord sends an angel. That would get our attention. The Lord speaks truth. And yet, what is waiting to creep into Zachariah's heart? Fear and doubt. And who of us here does not know the feelings of fear and doubt? We doubt that what God has said is true, even though he has proclaimed it to us. We doubt God's plans for us, that they're good, that they'll happen. And we find fear rising up to win the day. All evidence that our relationship with God is broken. And all this to say that in more ways than one, Christmas begins with heartache. That's the first fact I wanted to establish. Secondly, the second observation from the text follows from this. Number two, I begin preparing for Christmas with a broken and contrite heart. Looking at verses 16 and 17 for this, we can see that the promised son to Zechariah, John, is going to serve a very specific purpose in God's plans. He's going to prepare the hearts of God's people for healing. Remember, point one is about heartache. So John is coming to prepare their hearts for healing. He is going to turn the hearts of the people back to God. So verse 16 says, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And then 17, To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And of all the Christmas preparing that you and I will do this season, it looks to me like repentance should be at the top of the list, which again is maybe a little counterintuitive. That in getting ready for Christmas, actually, I want to deal with confessing my sin, confessing our brokenheartedness. I'm serving on a conference planning team for a YMCA global conference that will be in June. And one of the other leaders on the planning team is the director of Christian mission and a lead chaplain for the Columbus YMCA in Mississippi. Her name is Stephanie. And she reminded us that in seeking spiritual renewal in the Y, which is the purpose of the conference we're putting together, that it would be a mistake to miss repentance. We're like three meetings into planning. Nobody's talked about repentance yet until she did. She said, if you look at great spiritual revivals in the history of God's people, whether it's in the Bible or since then, they begin with prayer and repentance. In our own Christmas planning, my friends, let's not miss this step. We sing, let every heart prepare him room. My heartache, my sin, Lord, I'm laying it all out there. I need you. I need a Savior, which God knows and has prepared for, which brings us to number three in the story. Number three, God arrives to bring me good news and great joy. Now things will start to look a little happier this morning. But we need one and two to get to three. God arrives to bring me good news and great joy. The first spot we'll check here is the arrival of the angel and some of the words that he uses to describe their son John. Verse 14. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. Look at that. You can highlight those words. Joy, delight, rejoice. That is what happens when God shows up on the scene to address our heartache. When he arrives to take care of this mess. Remember what we said about the word advent. Adventus means arrive. God arrives right here in the story. He has not forgotten Zachariah and Elizabeth. And he has not forgotten you. One of the beautiful hidden gems of this story is actually the meaning of Zachariah's name, which we would see if we were reading it in Hebrew. Zachariah means, literally, the Lord remembers. God has remembered me. It is written right into Zechariah's very name. That's the great joy, but now let's make sure to tie it to good news. They don't stand alone. Certainly, joy doesn't come on its own. There is a reason for it, and the angel names it in verse 19. Scan down to verse 19. The angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And that's the word gospel that's there, to proclaim this good news. Graham captures this wonderfully in that song. The chorus says over and over again, Good news I bring to you, a message of hope and truth. For there is great joy in the plans of God. That's an Advent promise to you and I. There is great joy in the plans of God. Good news and great joy. That's what happens when God shows up. My wife has had a light up, a sign up in our room for many years. It's not just a Christmas decoration, though maybe that's what the thought was originally. But it's this light, joy, that sits on our bedroom dresser. And what I noticed about it this week when the room was dark, the baby was sleeping, or I was trying to get the baby to sleep, is that this sign is purposely designed to shine joy in the dark. Because it could have just been wooden letters, right? We see lots of decorations like that too. But no, this joy shines in the darkness. And that is the hope and truth that God brings. So let's review here. What have we established this morning? Christmas begins with heartache. I begin preparing for Christmas with a broken and contrite heart. Third, God arrives. Thank God he arrives to bring me good news and great joy, which brings us lastly to number four, our final stop here in the text: "Only God can bring the good news that heals my heart." And the emphasis there is going to be on the first two words: "Only God." For this observation, we go to the very end of the passage. It is a clear as day gospel declaration from Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife. We haven't heard from her yet in the story, but she has something very important to say to us that comes in verse 25. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So remember where we started this morning. Remember the pain and shame? Elizabeth recognizes that it is only God who could arrive and take it away. That's what she's saying. The Lord has done this for me. It wasn't me. It wasn't Zachariah. It wasn't a stroke of luck. It wasn't a lucky break that finally gets things sorted out. It was a sheer act of God. His intervention. And that is the gospel. That is the message of Christmas and the cross. The Lord has done it. He has shown His favor. He has taken away my disgrace. My shame. Is gone, my heart is lifted, and I'm free of the muck and the mire. Just like her husband, Elizabeth's name also carries a significant meaning in this story. And what an appropriate time to share this. Just was thinking of Joe and Missy, brand new grandparents. As of a couple days, they have their granddaughter who was born, Clara Elizabeth. So, congratulations, first of all. But Elizabeth, the name, it's very significant. It means my God is an oath. In other words, it means my God keeps his promises, which is exactly what Katie shared with the kids this morning. My God is a covenant keeping God who does not go back on his word. He has done it and he has taken away my heartache, Elizabeth sings. A couple of weeks ago, I had a midweek cold, and so you know where we're at in life. I take a COVID test, even though I'm pretty sure it's a cold, but I want to know that I'm, you know, can I show up at church with all of you on Sunday? So I take the test, and it's negative. It's just a cold. So I'm throwing everything at the kitchen sink at this thing. I don't know what your secrets are when you battle a cold, but I mean, it's, Vitamin C and cold medicine and probiotic and zinc and nasal decongestant and cough drops. Whatever it takes. But the thing I was thinking about this week in reading this text and thinking about this truth that only God can do this is that all of those things just treat the symptoms of a cold. You know, they can help my throat feel a little bit better. They can clear the nose or boost the immune system. But none of them can actually cure the cold. And likewise, it is only God who can bring the good news that will actually heal my heart. Anything else is just messing around on the edges, numbing the pain but not curing it. And at Christmas, God does what only God can do. And Elizabeth praises him for it. And we are here to do the same. I want to finish by sharing a picture of Kintsugi with you. A couple of pictures, actually. This is a Japanese art form that I learned about this fall in helping prepare an online worship service for the World Week of Prayer for the YMCA and YWCA. And the theme that we were given as a planning committee was beauty from brokenness with a few anchor points in Scripture. And then we came across this art form in Japan and thought this was a perfect depiction of what we're talking about. I got on the phone and was talking with the YMCA in Osaka as they relayed the stories of Kintsugi to me and shared these pictures from their home YMCA. Kintsugi takes a piece of pottery or ceramics that is broken and it puts it back together. This is Humpty Dumpty's dream. It actually works. Kintsugi uses the resin of a certain Japanese tree, which is then sprinkled with gold. And what results is a golden lacquer that is used to glue the pieces back together. It's a process that takes months to complete, which is pretty eye-opening when we think about healing. But in the end, you have a piece of property that has been healed, that has been restored to its original purpose— Just as strong. In fact, the practitioners say it is actually stronger than it was in the original. And yet you can see where the healing has happened. And I want to present this to you at the close. On this first Sunday of Advent. Because to me this is a picture of the gospel. Except it is not a lacquer of gold. It is the blood of Jesus on the cross that puts us back together. By his wounds we have been healed. My brothers and sisters, there is a work happening in your life right now, whether you are 16 years old or 60. There is a work happening in your life to bring beauty from brokenness, even now. And so like Zechariah and Elizabeth, let's trust him to do that. And let's pray. Oh, Father, we are so grateful you invite us to just come and sit with you. And maybe some of us will need to do that today, this Advent season, just to be quiet before you, Lord, maybe on the floor in our living room, here in this worship space, Lord, seated in our chairs. Lord, may we not just be attending a church service. But we bring our broken hearts to you, Lord, this morning. Confessing our sin, asking for help. That you would do what only you can do. You have remembered us. You keep your promises. On that. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at theychurch.org.